what's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. It's Jamie Dodd. It's Thomas Trance, my co-host, Canucks Insider, who also covers the team for the Athletic Canucks Talk, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the mobile Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We are here at Rogers Arena. Interesting game. Very interesting game tonight because, of course, it is the the supersized edition of the Hughes Bowl. Dancer, <laughs> we have added a third Hughes into the mix. It's Quinn on the Canucks. It's Jack and Luke uh, on the New Jersey Devils. First time, not just in the NHL, first time they've ever played in an organized hockey game against each other, which is uh, very exciting, I'm sure, for the Hughes family. Well, Quinn is older than the other two, right? Like, they would have definitely been a diff- in a different <laughs> That's why you're the insider. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Hey, that's what you call me. Um, the, uh, the, I mean, Jack's older than Luke, too. Jack. Quinn's yeah. older than the other two, as if they're the same age. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, yeah. did You saw the photo of uh, William Nylander yes. with the Hughes family going around, and like Quinn looks so much older than them. He, he really does. Like, yeah. so much older. And, you know, that's... Which is funny, because he's, like, famously not that big. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, yeah. like, dwarfing them in that... Absolutely. <laughs> in that picture. 100%. So... Yeah, I mean, look, it's an exciting game. The Tostitos Hughes Super Bowl tonight at the uh, at Rogers Arena, and and this is an exciting matchup in a, in a lot of ways. There's there's a lot of stories within the story. There's a lot of interesting matchups to track, but obviously Hughes versus Jack and Luke. Yeah, um, you know, and and what's funny about it? So Hughes gave a huge scrum in the Canucks locker room, like probably the biggest Canucks scrum I've seen in a long time, just in terms of the level of local media attendance at Morning Skate today. He was also the only Canuck anyone wanted to talk to today. It yeah. was pretty amazing. Um, what's What's funny is Quinn is famously not competitive with his brothers. Now, that's not true in that they're obviously deeply competitive, mm. but – if you ask Quinn Hughes questions about, like, side bets, right? If you approach it like you're talking to Henrik or Daniel, who, like, love to grind one another. Right. Publicly especially, right? Did so in their Hall of Fame speeches. You will not get a good response from Quinn. Quinn wants his brothers to succeed desperately, right? Like, Quinn's kind of the, the most serious of the brothers, too. And, and like, you know, he's protective of them. He wants them to succeed. He obviously wants to win tonight. Don't get me wrong. There's yeah. there's a core of steel there, but it's not a core of steel that he's super comfortable sharing publicly. In public, he's just happy for his brothers. He wants them to win every game in which they don't play the Canucks. He wants them to have all the success in the world except against him. And it's a really cool sort of dynamic between these three in that, you know, there is that much love and support. Um, and it's it's kind of distinct because for the most part, like the Stahl brothers, like the Sedin brothers, were like happy to joke about, yeah. you know, it, you, I mean, you'd hear interviews before the Stahl brothers played and, you know, they'd be taking shots at Mark Speed and on and on. So it, it very different, very different. Um, obviously, a, an, an incredible family, an incredible hockey story. And, and I, I'd expect all three players to put on a show tonight because they're all unbelievable. They're all incredible. That's the thing. Like, yeah. The Stahl brothers, all really good. 
all really, really good. These guys have a chance to be just at a completely different level than that. Quinn is without question a top five defenseman in this league. Yeah. I would put him, I, I would say this year he's been a top five skater, period, full stop. Jack Hughes is straight up absolutely a top 10 forward in this league. Mm-hmm. And I think he has the ceiling to be a top five skater, full stop. Like there's a real chance that Jack and Quinn at some point in the next couple of years are both in the five top list of any top five best hockey playing humans on the planet. Um, and then Luke's probably what the second runner up for, for the Calder. If you were to do a straw poll today, like Something I think like only Connor Bedard would be ahead of him. Um, it, he he's unbelievable. Like he's a really unbelievable player. I, I will say though, Quinn Quinn likes to talk about how Luke could be better than him. Mm-hmm. Told Rick about it too. Talk it brought it up. He's told me about it. He's like gone at me before. He's like he smashed my Michigan scoring <laughs> records. And, um, and I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But I but I appreciate how much pride Quinn That's has fantastic. in his brother's success. Uh, let's get into it. It is the whiteboard. We do it here every day on the show. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? I did it. Nailed it. I let the guy I'll, I'll say his words. I thought we were doing the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> Got to play the sounder. Gotta yeah, play my that bad. Beautiful sounders. It's the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, December 5th. Yeah, the big headline, it is the Hughes Bowl, uh, obviously, with Quinn playing his brothers. Well, you should have asked. I was going to say, somebody should have asked, if the Hughes family had a bowl game, what would the sponsor be? <laughs> <laughs> They're NCAA guys. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be Tostitos. I don't think so. No. But I'm curious what it would be. Um, so we did that a little bit. We can focus a little bit on the game as well. There's actually some interesting wrinkles here. Travis Green returning to the Vancouver as an, as an associate or assistant coach behind on and, the bench for the uh, Devils. And on a loaded day. Yes, two day, two years to the day uh, where him and Jim Benning were let go by the organization. Which fans, by the way, so let, look, headlines. Hughes Brothers matchup, we've already gotten into it. Yeah. Headline number two, Travis Green's return. Mm-hmm. Um, so Green's running the New Jersey Devils power play. And the New Jersey Devils power play is ludicrous. Ludicrous. Talk it, by the way, talked at length, and we'll hear from him in one of the segments today, about how him and Travis still chat, you know, weekly, every 10 days, mm-hmm. swap notes on, on running the power play. So here we're, here we're going to watch a matchup between two teams that struggle massively to kill penalties against two good friends who share notes and who have two of the best five or th- three or five power plays yeah. in the league. And I'd probably say, like, honestly, you if I need a goal, if I need a goal and I have a power play to do it, New Jersey, Edmonton, Vancouver. Those are my three. Those are my three. Now, do I pick Edmonton first? Probably. Mm-hmm. And then am I absolutely deeply torn between Vancouver and, and New Jersey? Yeah. But that's the company we're talking about. And, and both of these teams are really struggling to kill penalties. Yep. So so tonight, drawing penalties at an absolute premium, which, you know, really sort of shines a microscope on a on a bunch of players who are masters in this game of, of drawing penalties. Obviously Pedersen, Connor Garland, but then on the other side, Curtis Lazar at former yeah. Canuck. That guy's a master of the dark art. Jack Hughes, impossible to keep up yep. with, draws a ton of penalties. Keep your sticks down. <laughs> These teams are both gonna cook. And I, I think that's going to make for a ton of fun. Like, I'm really excited to watch the power play chess match between former Canucks coach Travis Green 
and Rick Tockett. Yeah, the special teams battle is going to be really interesting. You know, New Jersey, kind of a funny team this year. Seventh in the Metro Division right now. Just one point above above 500. They have a negative goal differential, but... You look at some of the underlying numbers, they still have a really, really strong uh, shot shot attempt share, you know, expected goals, scoring chances, whatever you want to look at. They still grade out really, really well there. Goaltending has really, really let them down at 5-on-5 five five this year. I would still look at this as a good test of the Canucks' ability to control play at 5-on-5, five five, even where New, where New Jersey is in the standings, because I think they have that talent now. You know, I, I think a lot of their record also has been at different times they've been missing either Hughes or Heischer. They have them both back, but Dougie Hamilton goes out of the lineup as well, so injuries continuing to be a bit of a problem uh, for the Devils so far. Yeah, the center depth is what really drives things for the Devils. You know, I, I think they're better positioned to withstand the injury to Hamilton than they were to both Hughes and Heischer, or even one of them, mm-hmm. but... Those are big losses without question, and and the Hamilton one is is particularly interesting to monitor from a timeline perspective. Like his injury sounds like it could be right on that borderline where maybe he misses the regular season but is ready to return mm. for the playoffs. And we all know love those, and we all know how teams, especially teams with the talent to yep. win, uh, can seize those opportunities. Um, Devils goaltending though has been an issue for them, an Achilles heel all season. I I, I mean I'm still holding my Akira Schmid stock. But, you know, that's as, like, an average goalie who's a totally fine bet. Um, the Canucks have really been able to make hay against teams with that profile, against goalies with that profile right. to this point in the year. That's the one area of this game where I do think the matchup really favors Vancouver. Um, teams that have started this caliber of netminder against the Canucks just haven't fared very well all season. You think about Joey Decord in, in Seattle and, and on and on. Like, it's been pretty rare that we've seen, like, a Capo Kakinen come in yeah. and, and really throttle the Canucks. We have seen it, but it's been few and far between. We're not hearing as much of the, oh, the team's starting their backup, they're going to shut out the Canucks. Like, we're not hearing a lot of that, in part because this team uh, has a lot, has a lot of one-shot scorers that can do serious damage if a goaltender, you know, loses his angle even a, a millisecond. So a that, millimeter. that's the matchup tonight, Canucks and the Devils. And, of course, all the focus will be on the Hughes brothers. We touched on it briefly, but I think in the headline section, worth just spending maybe a couple more minutes on Travis Green returning, as we said. And then also, as, as we mentioned, the two-year anniversary of the the regime change, really, with the Canucks. The end of the Jim Benning and Travis Green era happened two years ago today. today wow. December 5th, and it's the first time Travis Green comes back as well. A lot of memories. The I've, I've heard it dubbed Jim Benning Liberation Day on Twitter, which, you know, is, is a little bit much. And then I saw the, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I can't remember who tweeted this, so I can't give credit for it. But the San Jose Sharks are, are scratching Matt Benning. Uh, today and and someone was like the sharks are celebrating. They're observing Jim Benning <laughs> observing Day. Observing Jim Benning Liberation Day. Yeah, um, somebody's accident just Happy Jim Benning Day to all of us celebrate. That feels a little more like Liberation Day feels like maybe a step too far for me, but I get it. Or, it, or, it felt a little bit like that at the time. Are we gonna do the? Are we gonna do the? How much? credit does Jim Benning get for the fact that this team's played 30 strong games or 25 strong games to start this season? Uh, no, I don't think we are. We, we shouldn't. No, I don't think the, we the, are going to do that. The way that people attach themselves to like, well, this GM brought in five players that are now on this team that after significant surgery, including the biggest buyout in NHL yep. history to undo one of the trades he made and a complete rethink of what the blue line and supporting cast looks like is now good. Like, man, yeah. we got it. We got to. 
we got to give that guy some credit. It's like, no, you don't. You're, you're, Tip of the cap. Your job's to build a team, not to draft a bunch of great players in the top ten and win one trade um, for JT Miller. You know, like, come on. I, I think very fair. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think we're gonna be flooded with uh, people. disagreement. You know, with no, the, I know. the Jim Benning but, defenders in our inbox. But it's funny because if you are one of those people who spent this club's golden era being like, you know, who deserves a lot of credit for this, Brian Burke, you should be saying that Jim Benning deserves a lot. Like, be intellectually consistent. Be intellectually consistent. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. We spent a decade lo- litigating that, but That's because. True. But but now no one has the appetite for it. Hmm, interesting. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> this is like classic inventing a guy to get mad. At. I know you're right. <laughs> like, like, you brought this up. I you, told you. I told you. I, I, I thought I was told Steph Curry couldn't shoot threes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what you're doing right now. You're right. 100. percent That's all right. Um, no, no, no. Uh, you, I just did that. You're right. Let's move on to the. Uh, let's move on to the broadsheet, the rumor <laughs> section of the whiteboard, and we can start with you know. I kind of toyed with either putting this in headlines or rumors because it's pretty solid. But from the Board of Governors, uh, per Elliot Friedman, cap estimate for next year at the Board of Governors meetings, $87.675 million for the upper limit, which pretty close to what we'd previously heard, right? That would be going up by about $4 million uh, from where it is this year. But still interesting to get, you know, as we get closer to when they actually announce it, it starts to to count a little bit more every time you hear that number. Yeah, I mean, 87.5 had long been my projection um, and long been CapFriendly's projection just yep. based off of the sort of calculations in the MOU, uh, extra 175 k uh, above that. Yeah, good, good. I mean, again... I think the next year is the year where you could start to get into like the the fun escalators, mm. um, the escalator year. But uh, but yeah, four million. That's a that's a little bit of extra breathing room in the system. Uh, you know, help lubricate some trades. Maybe maybe see a little bit of escalation on player salaries, although you know not nearly as much as we're seeing on the valuation of franchises. Yeah. But. It's I'm, a start. I'm going to be fascinated to see how teams handle it, right? With the first meaningful increase year over year in a long time. Yeah. At this point, you know what I mean? Like, do are how much does that impact? Especially with, as you said, the possibility of even more significant growth coming just down the line. Like, do teams get a little ahead of themselves? Not that any NHL team would ever do that, with <laughs> regards to paying players in unrestricted free agency. But I do wonder how much like pent up demand to go out and spend there is around the league. Probably you know? a fair bit. Yeah. Probably a fair bit. Um. Yeah, and and the other thing is obviously, this is based off of current revenue projections. But we, you know, don't don't lock it in by any means. Don't lock it in by any means. Right. There's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of you know not wish casting. It's a reasonable forecast. Um, it's consistent with the the player debt being paid off and and the calculations yep. within in the MOU uh, agreed to as part part of sort of an omnibus return yeah. to play agreement in uh, in the summer of 2020. But you know, there's still a long way to go before that revenue is actually like done, calculated, and that's actually in, the cap in true NHL fashion. We'll find out the real number like 36 hours before free agency uh, opens. I'll never, I'll never forget March 6th. March 6th, 2020 is like a day that stands out to me because that was the BOG meetings where they projected an 88 million dollar cap, and it's literally five years later, and and we're not even going to get there until yeah. like it's 2025. We will maybe get there. Mm-hmm. Um. Six six days later, the pandemic sort of crushed everything, and that was so predictable, right? Like, I literally covered it that way, and I was like, or, you know, the potential for a revenue-sapping pandemic. Don't necessarily lock this in, right? 
so unpredictable. There's so much sort of intersection between real business, like real business realities in the world and, and the hockey business that will ultimately shape where we land. Anything you else you want to hit on the, uh, the rumor section, well, the broadsheet? I just want to note 2024 NHL draft at the Sphere. I don't know. Does that move the needle for anybody? Looks like we're moving to a decentralized draft thereafter. If I, if I was somebody who went to drafts, I'd be excited to go to Vegas because I love Vegas. But yeah. other than that, like, I don't really care where it's held I'm from a TV perspective. I'm excited to go to Vegas because I do go to drafts, but less so in June than, sure. than, in, than in November. Still, still should be a nice time. Um, curious to see how that event looks at a venue like the Sphere. Um, According to some reporting from Kevin Weeks and Frank Saravalli, just want to note this, Philip Broberg on the market, and his agent has permission to seek a deal. Oilers reportedly want a player back. I'm curious if there's a fit with Vancouver, given how aggressive this organization has been in targeting defensemen. Broberg's young was a pretty recent top 10 pick, the same mm-hmm. year that Vasily Colson went. Um, Canucks were really high on him in his draft year, although... You know, that scouting staff has largely been turned over since, uh, like to the point where they had opportunities to trade down from the Pod Colson pick. And really, one of the main motivations in sticking around at, at 10, uh, in, in addition to not wanting to trade down in their own barn, because of course Vancouver yep. hosted the draft that year, um, was that the club was hopeful that maybe Broberg might slip to them. So this is a player that the Canucks have at least historically had some interest in and just wanted to bring that up as, as something interesting uh, to sort of note. Well, and I think it's fair. We talked about it with Sat yesterday. Like The Canucks have been very active, so much more active than your standard NHL team, really, on, yeah. in the last two years. Um, and so I think it's fair if a player's on the market to at least wonder, could this be a fit? Could there be interest, right? Even even absent more concrete reporting connecting them. Like, this is these are – this is obviously a team that's out there looking for options, looking for ways they could improve this team. He's on an ELC, right? So he's going to yeah. be do his second contract after the season, and he's not a scoring defenseman, which means that his second contract is not one you're like gonna you know worry about too much. Yeah, uh, he's still 22. Like if you believe that this team needs a high end defenseman, um, and if there's a fit in terms of a player that you might move, like this to me fits the template. You know, without considering the player specifically, but just the profile sort of fits in with what you'd expect the Canucks to at least be intrigued by. Um, you know, that said, I'm not a huge fan of yeah. Broberg's game if you, generally. If so. you love the player, would you be looking at it thinking we can get him in and sign him to a long-term contract or at least contract with some term that will end up looking really good down the road once we get him in? Yeah. Our, all of that, right? Yeah. I can see some team making that calculation. Uh, lineup notes for today. So no real lineup changes, at least to the, the forward trios and the defensive pairs from the win in Calgary, which means Noah Juleson stays in the lineup. Uh, Zadorov and Myers stay as a pair, at least to start here. Uh, Linus Carlson stays in the lineup as well. But some interesting changes are really one interesting change. Oh, a couple, actually, to the Canucks power play units. Andre Kuzmenko going back up with the first power play unit. Hronika going back to power play two. And Niels Hoaglander getting a chance. So the forwards on power play two would be Hoaglander, Linus Carlson, Connor Garland, Ilya Mikheyev on power play two with Kuzmenko moving back up to power play one. Yeah, that w- which is really interesting to me. Um, first of all, Hoaglander getting a, a, an overdue, in my opinion, shot on power play two. Uh, this guy needs to be on the power play. I'll be curious to see what it looks like. I'll be curious to see if he can translate some of the finishing that he's brought at five on five to a five on four game state. Although obviously the Canucks power play two doesn't like get no. a long look um, necessarily game to game. Um, 
obviously the bigger change is Kuzmenko going back up to PP1. I, I Look, I didn't love the look with Hironic on PP1. Personally, just like I like four forwards. Uh, I thought they had one really good game in San Jose, and then I, I feel like the Canucks power play has been a little bit stagnant. Yep. Um, but Kuzmenko, you know, Rick Tockett spoke about it, challenged him to shoot more frequently uh, now that he's back on the power play. Um, you know, of late, he's spent a little too much time at the half wall for me where I'd much rather see the Canucks in have JT Miller yeah. and I'd rather have him at the net front um, so yeah I, look this is a really important like first of all the power play matchup in this game is amplifies huge. the importance yep. but also Kuzmenko needs to be a power play one guy or this contract is a bad bet Period. Like, period. Well, I, that's the I don't thing. mean to be... I don't have a problem with the five-on-five usage or the healthy scratches because I understand Tockett's trying to set that standard and there's certain things he wants. But once he's in your lineup, you got to be figuring out, okay, how are we getting value out of this guy? Right. And it starts on power play one. Yeah, with what he can do on power play one. And just the lack... Of, like, if he's not getting power play one opportunities, he is a ceiling 20-goal scorer. You know, like, that's his ceiling. Yeah. And that's a huge problem for a guy you're paying 5.5 who doesn't help you in other areas. So, like, other than offensive... Production, so you know it's really important that he play well and and cement himself as a key part of power play one. We all know he has the skill and game breaking ability to do it, but but it feels feels pretty high leverage for him personally in terms of really taking this opportunity and running with it. Yeah, and I also just think, as you said, like the calling card of the power play when it was going so well was the fluidity and the flexibility, right? And you, as soon as you go to two defensemen, you sacrifice a lot of that, right? So getting that fourth forward back and having more guys who can go in any different position makes a big difference. Especially because, in fact, Pedersen is a defenseman on the power play in, mm. that, in that really the rotation mostly occurs between... The guy well, Patterson's down. the guy going up top. Yeah, yeah Patterson Hughes to. might rotate. Yeah, but like for the most part, the rotation is between Miller, Besser, Kuzmenko. When this power play has been cooking, it's those three guys appearing in all different segments of the ice that sort of makes it work. Uh, quickly on to the playoff forecast. So uh, as far as I can tell. Dom's model has not been updated yet to reflect last night's games at the Athletics. So, I mean, you got to run that up the flagpole, Drancer. I don't know what's going on here. He's uh, he's hurting the whiteboard. But you just look at it and, and how things uh, stacked up on the Edertown scoreboard last night. A light schedule, first of all, and I don't see really any of the games as having a big direct impact on the Canucks. I mean, the Kraken lose, but they're already really far out of it per uh, the model per yesterday's update of the model. And Arizona and St. Louis win. And I know you're high on the Coyotes. The model is not really. Like, it views both St. Louis and Arizona as serious long shots. So, you know, yesterday it was 92% chance for the Canucks to make the forecast or to make the playoffs per the forecast. I wouldn't expect a big difference between yesterday and today just based on the fact that I think it kind of views all the teams, all the Western Conference teams that played yesterday is kind of irrelevant uh, to the Canucks chances. But if we get an update at some point during the show, we'll uh, we'll pass it along to you. Coyotes on a really fun but mostly percentage-based burst here. Yes. Um, but that team is super fun. Also, like, we got to settle down with the uh, beat the last five Stanley Cup winners things. It's like beating the Blues, the Blues and the Capitals is like not that. It's like, that's, we're going too far back, guys. It doesn't mean anything. It's like, if they beat the Blackhawks, it's like, oh, they beat seven of the last eight or now. It's like, well, but they're the Blackhawks now. It doesn't mean anything. Guys, life moves fast, okay? Yeah. Life moves yeah. very, very fast. Um, the BluesCon Smythe winner is two teams removed yes. 
Alex Petrangelo is not there. Like, come on, it's not. You don't. You don't get credit for beating a recent Stanley Cup champ when you beat the Blues. Now, okay, that's absolutely not how it not. works. That's absolutely not how it not. works. Um, um, betting odds tonight. Although, although, don't say that the Blues can't win the Cup this year because they did that time they were last. That's at so this true. time of the year. So true. Um, sorry. The the. I wanted to bring up actually, I I messed up. I wanted to bring up one other lineup thing, but we'll get into we'll do it, it later in the show. Second. Gambling odds: Canucks narrowly favored. Tonight, one minus one fifteen to minus one hundred five. So that's essentially a pick'em. Yep. But the Canucks are slight, 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 slight favorite. yep. favorites by a paper thin margin. Um, more interesting to me, anyway, is the over under is set at seven, very high. Probably reflects those power plays and pro- those penalty kills. Probably reflects both these teams' strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> um, more action on the over, obviously, because it's so high. You need plus one ten on seven goals. Uh, but it's exactly seven goals, which you means go. you need eight to get more yes. than a push, which is tough. That's, That's a lot. It's um, I mean, look, ho- let's hope for a 1980s yep. hockey game at the Fiesta <laughs> Hughes Super Bowl tonight at Rogers Arena. Uh, we should also mention uh, Demko, projected starter in that for the Canucks tonight. That is the whiteboard for December 5th as it's a Canucks game day. Taking on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we will learn a little bit more about the Devils, talk about some other things too with our next guest, Shayna Goldman from The Athletic joins us here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.